0: (laughs) 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 Hey guys, welcome back to the Nameless Podcast. We are still nameless because the internet has not yet delivered and given us a name. We haven't even got the stereotypical, obscene amount of names that, uh, that the internet likes to deliver that's not even helpful or useful. So until then, until you guys, you guys can help us, you can help us name this podcast, we're going to continue to be the Nameless Podcast or a different name po- name podcast
1: every single week. I, I like that idea. Uh, we talked about it in the first episode. So Jeremy and I were just talking a little bit ago before we started recording. And we're just going to go with the Wildcats podcast for today. There we so. go.
0: Today, the name of the podcast today is the Wildcats podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Starring Jeremy as the Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's leading it up. I'm just kidding. Just kidding.
0: So today what we're going to do is uh, we are going to have a topic that this podcast revolves around. One of the recurring questions that uh, we're usually asked is, or it's more of a statement than a question. It's, uh, it's, I can't go out and do these things that you guys are doing. Climbing mountains, going out in the backcountry, and just having that adventurous lifestyle because I'm just not in good enough shape anymore. And I see that happen over and over and over again. So today what I want to talk about is how to get back into shape. If you had been in shape before and you just kind of fall in and out of shape, or even, you know, if you, you're a complete beginner and you want to, you want to get started into having a, a more active lifestyle, giving you guys some, some tips and, uh, and some of the benefits of being able to do this as well. So I think that's the direction that we're going to kind of focus this around. And, um, and we'll also emphasize the importance of your physical fitness when you're doing things like this out in the back country. I know that it's, it's, Quite literally saved my life a few times in a few situations.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna take the view of just a normal dude that wants to get in shape because that's kind of who I am. I don't do as crazy as stuff as you two guys. I, I like to go hiking. I do a lot of a lot of like mountain hiking with my wife, but for the most part, I just every day get get in the gym five o'clock in the morning, and that's my lifestyle. So. I'll take on a little bit more of a role because in the last three weeks I started a new workout routine, and we'll go with with that. But I want to hear from you guys first, like what you guys absolutely.
0: Because I know that from my perspective is a little bit more on the the edge of the extreme. I would say that um, the way I do it is is by far the fastest way to do it, but it's not always the most realistic. And then from Jeremy's perspective, Jeremy just never runs into this problem. It's like he can drink Coca-Cola and eat Pop-Tarts all day long, every single day. And then he's like, "Well, time to go climb a mountain. And he just does it. He's superhuman. <laughs> Those are the two basic food groups in my book. Yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola and, uh, and the Pump peanut butter dip. Uncrustables. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Peanut butter Uncrustables. We're going to
2: give you a shout out to Uncrustables. If you need to sponsor somebody. Hook me up for, for,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, Wildcat Uncrustables day. it has a ring to it I mean Ooh, it really yeah. it really does have oh, a ring to it Uncrustables who makes Uncrustables anyways
1: oh man uh, who, who is it maybe Skippy I don't Skippy Smuckers uh, Smok- yeah, Smuckers yeah, yeah 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 Smuckers
2: there we go <laughs> you know it's gonna help me live to 102 so I can get on the Today Show Smuckers well, how did you they know?
0: come up with that name that sounds like a uh, like a, a, a shady New York construction company <laughs> it's like yeah hey, yeah just call Smuckers <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's exactly how. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's something that is. It's really important. Um, just in in your daily life as well as when you you want to start doing things like this, like all these backcountry stories that we've been sharing. Um, it's it's a large element of it. It makes it easier. It makes it more enjoyable, and it makes it safer. Quite frankly, it does make it a lot safer. Um, I remember one time when I was living in Aspen in Colorado. Uh, Jeremy and I were both up in that area. Um, one day I just I just had this idea. I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to do. That was most of my days when I was living in Aspen. It's like I have absolutely nothing to do today. Um, I'm just gonna go pick a mountain and climb it. So what I did was uh Jeremy, Jeremy was still working like it was probably like maybe it was like it was late in the day for a mountain climb. It was probably like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm on my phone and I'm looking up uh, fastest known times and I found La Plata La Platape- peak. It's 14,000 feet and uh, I'm like, all right here's the fastest known time that's registered for this. I'm going to see if I can trail run this and see where I stack up on it. I'm going to see if I can go for an FKT. And I made one critical mistake that I never make. I never go into the back country without a water purifier. And this time it's almost, it's always in my bag. So I never have to check for it. And uh, on this particular trip, I, I didn't have it. And that was going to be a, very significant downfall in this story. (laughs) But uh, so I get to the trailhead of La Plata Peak and it's probably like two o'clock and Jeremy and I had this little adventure board that we had in the entryway of the, of the house and I literally just wrote like climbing La Plata, if it gets really dark and I'm not back, you know, come come look for me. That was our that was our way of doing it. I didn't even send you a text. Like that that's no, no. that's so ridiculous. I like that. I like that. <laughs> the advent the, I mean the adventure board is always full. So it's oh, like yeah. like my, my logic was, Oh yeah, he'll he'll check the adventure board. He comes home and I'm not there and it's like nine <laughs> o'clock at night. But I don't even remember. Like I don't think that you had checked you didn't even look at it when the time you came home.
2: Uh yeah i don't even think i went straight to the couch and started playing video games right <laughs> if you open the door here's
0: the sadness. fatal flaw of the adventure board is if you open the door it kind of covers your view to the adventure oh, board yeah. so it's like yeah we should yeah. have we, we yeah, should have da- thought that bad one. placement but <laughs> that's
1: okay yeah
0: but i get on the trailhead of la plata and um i mean i, I was trail running it so it was it was pretty minimalist Um, I had a small trail running backpack. I had about a liter of water, some chia seeds for fuel and some rehydration salts. And that was about it. I'm like, okay, this should take me probably, I think that I was shooting for, I can't remember. I think it was four hours or something like that. But, um, I got on the trail, started running and everything was going great. And then I started to realize that it was getting darker a lot faster than what I had projected. It was getting late in the season. I'm like, all right, that's, that's all right. shouldn't be an issue. And, um, the interesting thing about the platas, I had never climbed it before, is it's, I think it's a nine mile, um, climb and back to the, uh, to the parking lot. And the sheer scale of the elevation gain is just nuts. Like this thing is, is just vertical. And the thing about it is it makes it very difficult to run. Like it does make it very difficult to run. Um, so I was way behind on my time and started going up in elevation. Storm started rolling in. And by the time I had got to the peak, like I was almost out of water. My plan was to refill all my water once I got back to, uh, there's a, a water source, a creek that runs kind of on the base right before the beginning of the climb. And uh, my water is about halfway done. And I got up to a false summit and I'm like, I don't think I can, I, I don't think I can keep going. It was fogged up. You okay. couldn't see where the summit was at. And I'm looking at my water bottle and I'm like, man, like, the smart thing to do is turn around. I want to get this peak. I want to see, like I get that peak fever that Jeremy's always talking about. I want to make this happen. I'm like 15 minutes away, but it's probably not a smart decision. And I remember just sitting on a rock, and I'm like. (sighs) It's getting late now, and I have a whole drive home without service. So that's reason number one. Reason number two might actually be even more important. This is how much water I'm down to. So since I'm by myself, high elevation, I'm not going to risk it. I'll be back, Plata. I have to turn back. So I turn back and I start running down. Now the interesting thing about it was I ran out of water about a third of the way down the mountain and I still had probably eight miles to go. And, uh, it gets to a point when you almost, you almost start hallucinating. Like when you get to a point where you're exhausted, you're dehydrated and you don't have the nutrition that you need. And ultra runners will talk about this pretty frequently too. It's like you get to a point where you start to hallucinate and it's really strange. It's like, uh, It's almost like your brain goes into flight or flight and it's starting to get dark. So there's shadows that are moving and um, you experience this thing called, I call it trail vertigo. Jeremy, have you ever experienced this, you kind of, it's when you're hiking for a long time, when you're trail running, you're focusing on where your foot placement is going to be. So you're looking straight down at the ground. And then when you look up, everything kind of feels like it's pulling away from you because your vision is, your vision is fixed on being so close. And then when you look out, it's just like this odd feeling of vertigo.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I know that there's been times when Travis and I have uh, gone out and done some crazy things where like we're just gonna do this huge, ridiculously long thing. <laughs> yeah, and um, we'll get to we'll get to a point where I'm where Travis is like, I need a break, and I'm like, dude, I can't stop because if I if I if I stop right here, it's over and I'm gonna get sick. And right. And so if, if at, when it, when that kind of stuff happens to me, I'm just like, I gotta keep pushing on. If I keep pushing on, my body just adapts. But if I take a break, my body like gets sick. Yeah, because I'll just like start. And that's
0: sick. that's what it is. And when you are at high elevation, I feel like it amplifies that as well because yeah. of the well. When you climb the mountain too, you you start suffering from hypoxia. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of time for your brain to normalize after that, especially if you're going up and down in elevation very rapidly.
2: Yeah, especially if you're moving pretty quickly, you know, like just the lack of lack of oxygen, you know, like that's getting pumped into your blood. And obviously, fourteen thousand feet isn't isn't to the extent you know the extreme. You know, it's not like eighteen thousand or you know twenty
1: thousand feet. It's not Mount peaks, Everest, but but it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's
2: still a part of those things because a majority of Colorado is at at like you know about a mile high, right? Mm-hmm. So it is yeah. thinner thinner air, but it's way lower than um, fourteen thousand feet, right? You know? So uh, a majority of people will, will 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 experience some form of of that. One way or another, at higher altitude, and they'll be like, "Oh man, it is a little bit harder to breathe."
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and they'll get into a into a rhythm, and then they'll just like give up, which is why I think a majority of the deaths, like last week, we were talking about climbing the bells. Like there are people. I want to put a disclaimer out there because last week we told people that it's not a technical climb. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. it is a technical climb, and people die on that peak every year. Okay, so we'll just stay that. It's oh. not technical for us, if that makes sense. It's to for us on on the type of things that we've done in the past. It's not very technical, but it is still considered a technical climb. You need to do your research. You need to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, okay, or <laughs> you will it. die. You <laughs> know, I, I think even on Capital, like like I think it was last year or the year before that, there were like eight people that died on Capitol Peak. In the summer months, so June, July, August, three between months. in three months, you know, eight people died. Okay, so these, these things do happen, and it is a considered to be technical climb. But um, regardless, um, people go up there, and then they're like, "Oh man, I, I'm I'm feeling disorientated," and then they should probably turn back, but they don't. Yeah, and it's in those decision making moments, like like we keep talking about. Where you have to just know your body, and and know your limitations, and if you can push through like Travis and I can do, where you can just start to focus, and we've been to into those those types of scenarios so often mm-hmm. that we know our bodies and understand it that we can just keep going.
0: And that's where I think that's where training is so important because you can simulate you can simulate those really difficult uh, environments that you put yourself yeah. into. If you can push yourself hard enough in a workout, you can get to that same point where your body starts to you know shut down and detach and it becomes really difficult in a non-critical situation so when you're in a critical situation like climbing la plata peak and you're hallucinating and you still have six miles to go you you already know what that feeling feels like and you're able to strategically uh manage your own body to be able to push through it because what was interesting is um that's the mindset you get into and you have to you have to you have to self-evaluate and say, I know that I can do this physically. I know that my, my brain is, is suffering from fatigue and dehydration and hypoxia, but I know that if I keep going, I'm going to be able to get through this. And it's that confidence in yourself that keeps you from succumbing to anxiety or, you know, just, I mean, dying.
2: Yeah. You know, I be- Taylor, I know that this probably happens to you too, right? Um, yo, with your, yo, so- with your, with your players. Yeah. Um one comment that we get especially with Travis being our physical conditioning coach is, yeah. is like the the kids are like coach these practices are way harder than any games that we've ever played. oh He's yeah. like why do we have to do this? And you're like well, they, well listen here my young. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me educate it's you. a teaching moment right there. <laughs> yeah, why why do we why do we practice at such a high level? You know, it's to prepare ourselves. So when there's a moment in the game that's really hard and we have to push ourselves, we we have like what Travis just said, confidence in ourselves. Mm -hmm, For sure, we know the limitations of our body and how much more we can give to that to that um, moment. Especially in soccer, it's a bunch of little moments that get placed all over the place. And I really think it's for anything. But yeah and that's you know, where yeah.
0: that's where it translates into the character building, character building elements of why sport is even important in the first place yeah. is it 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 translates into the game but that also is a it's almost a metaphor for life itself where you're in competition, you're in struggle and your, your body reacts yep. and a lot of times your emotions react and your mind controls your body. And if you can overcome that, not only will you be successful as an athlete,
1: but you'll also be successful just in your character and your general life. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is one of my favorite topics is having, having kids ask like why our practice is so hard because like, all of us purposely design practices to be harder than the actual game itself. Right. And I mean like in life in general, I I've learned that when you make things uncomfortable for yourself, that's the way you can best get over those, those situations that you have to face. Like for me, and this is off topic, like from, from lifting or or running or anything like that. But like public speaking was something I was scared of as a kid, Mm -hmm. like, um, all the way through high school. And then like, uh, once I got into college I was like if I ever want to get over this fear um I gotta put myself in those situations so so I've taken on like any role I could like um to speak like or even just teaching like as a substitute teacher those situations I put myself in public speaking's easy now like it's something I enjoy but going back to sports like when you're um running a hard workout like it's to make that race feel like it's just second nature like um, it just feels natural to be able to push yourself that right. that hard. So
0: yeah, it's the uh, it's the frame of reference concept, yeah. and I use this with our athletes a lot. This is something that uh, that Joe Desina coined. He was the founder of Spartan Race. Um, the story I like to tell the kids is that, like, you know, why do we have to do things that are that are this difficult? Like, how's that going to prepare us for the game? And I say, okay, imagine that you live in a five story apartment complex, and you have to you take the elevator every single day. Like that's your thing. You take the elevator to the fifth floor where your apartment is at. And then one day you show up and the elevator is broken. And now you have to take the stairs all of a sudden. So you have to take the stairs and in your mind, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is so much more difficult than when I could just take the elevator. And that's your mindset. Your mindset is that the stairs are more difficult than the elevator because your frame of reference is, I've been taking the elevator every day. Now, if you take a 45 pound weight vest and you sludge your way up those five stories every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks, the day that you take off that 45 pound weight vest and have to climb those stairs, it's going to feel like the easiest day in the world because your frame of reference has been adjusted. That's true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is weird how much your mind has everything to do with anything that you do in life. Yeah. If your mindset is, is one way compared to another way, like, Oh man, I can do this. Or Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do this. That one little thing in your mind is what can set you apart as an athlete. Right, and, or as a business owner, or as an employee, or whatever you're doing in life, your mindset is so huge, and I know that Travis and I drill that into our kids uh, every day at practice. Where's your mindset at? Well, coach, I, I, I don't think I can guard this kid because he's, you know, he's a senior and I'm only a middle school kid. And like, quit that. That's yeah. your mind trying to trick you. You definitely have the capability. and 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 you right now you have the opportunity Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do this and and really get that out of your mind and redo your mindset and, and put it where it's supposed to be at. bam all of a sudden you can do it
1: yeah it's like it's just it's like uh running like i grew up just not liking running i was a baseball player so running to me is one of those things that's like 90 feet is about my max um but when it comes to like running now, since I'm married a cross country runner, I'm like all about running. But the thing was that I had to do for the first year of just running with my wife was that I had to, I had to get myself, I had to change my attitude because when I would go out for runs, I would hate it. I'd literally just think to myself, like, this is the worst thing in the world. Why would anyone want to pound their body into the ground? Like <laughs> every, <laughs> every day. But I started off with two miles, hated it for, like, the first month, two months. Um, it might have even lasted a year of, of just hatred of running. But now, like, my attitude's changed, and it's become something that's, like, easy. I can go pump out three miles every day if I want. Right. Um, I probably don't have, like, the endurance um, right now to go whip out, like, a half marathon or anything because I'm not training for that type of um I'm just not at that point in my life where I want to run a half marathon, I guess you could say. Um, (laughs) But for me, like, that's, that's something that my attitude was what, and my mindset was what was holding me back from being able to run. And now, like, I mean, um, for example, like when I started baseball in college, our coach had us run a mile every Monday, right? and our goal, was, Monday. Yeah, ring to it. our goal was to like beat yeah. our mile every every week it started off where you wanted us to run under six minutes but then when you realized we had guys running like eight minute miles and stuff <laughs> <was> like that's <laughs> probably not a great idea anyways um for me it was like the lowest i got down to all year was like a 617 and like I don't know, like it, it. I think it was partially my diet because I wasn't. I was just eating junk food. I'm not like Jeremy where I can, I can eat <laughs> <laughs> uncrustables and and still run fast. Yeah. Um, but like as soon as I started training with my wife and like she cleaned up my diet pretty quickly. She she put up with me for about a year, but she's she's a, she's actually a vegetarian, so she her diet's pretty strict. And and so like I'm not that extreme. Um, but my diet cleaned up a lot. Now I can pump out under six minute mile every time I run it. Like I haven't ran over six minutes in, in over like a year and a half. Oh man. So like, it's just one of those things. Like for me, I might not be the fastest runner, but like I've just cleaned up my diet and changing my mentality. It got me to a point where now I can pump out under six minute miles right. every time. So that's one of those things. Like I think everything in life like requires, um, certain sacrifices and one was all the junk food I liked. And the other was just that negativity that I was yeah of that mentality with me, so. too the mentality I mean that's
0: just it's such a critical aspect to this I mean it's it's almost more so than the physical aspect of it because it's always going to be difficult I mean you're going to get faster you're going to get stronger but in order to progress you always have to get to that point where it's it's challenging and difficult and that that's the same place for someone who just started training as it is for someone who's been training for five or six years you know but the mentality is. It's a very interesting topic. I remember um, the first time I ran a Spartan beast. So Spartan is broken up into classifications. They have the sprint, the super, and the beast, the beast being their longest. It was 16 miles at Breckenridge. And I also have chronic insomnia, and usually before something big like that, I can't sleep. I slept for 30 minutes the night before the race, and I was just like, how am I gonna do this? Like, I'm sleep deprived, how is this gonna happen? And I remember looking up this study, and they did a study on two sets of Olympic rowing athletes. And they had one of them that they kept awake for 36 hours. And they had another that they gave eight hours of sleep the night before. And they made them do the exact same task to measure their performance. And the interesting thing about it was both rowing teams performed the exact same. The sleep deprived team and the team that got the sleep performed exactly the same. The only difference was the perceived effort that the sleep sleep deprived group had said that it was way more difficult than the group that got the sleep. Oh, so yeah. they were able to perform to the same capacity, but it felt harder, which is very very fascinating that it's 100% in your mind what that effort feels like. Oh, yeah. That's so it's weird. like so if you can so if you can think about that and what's crazy is, you know, the the beginning of the day like I was exhausted at the start line, but then you start getting into the race and it's like, you know, you're you're 5 miles in, you're 6 miles in and you feel great. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm not even sleep deprived anymore. I feel like the, the adrenaline starts to kick in and you're able to, once you break past that barrier, then it's, it's almost like that surface tension has been broken and you're able to, you're able to just proceed with ease. Yeah.
2: You know, obviously we're in our twenties, right? So yeah. we, we have, uh, uh, some p- older people out there be like, wow, well, they're just in their twenties. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, you know, obviously you guys say that I'm a freak or whatever, if I stop drinking Coca-Cola. That really helps. So, really, what what Taylor was like is change your diet, <laughs> you know, yeah. first of all, and you want to get into like the second thing, which is like, well, okay, I have a good diet, but I'm still not physically active. Well, get active, <laughs> you know. As <laughs> so as crazy as that sounds, like all you have to do is just get put a little bit more effort into it. I uh, like I joke to some people, like I like especially the kids out there when we're because I I join in with them, right, every once in a while, and I'm like I. I call it the, uh, I'm pulling a move from the the rookie, right? Yep. <laughs> so last last week, you know, they're like, oh, are you going to play with this coach? He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to pull a move out of the movie, The Rookie. And they're like, what's The Rookie? <laughs> and you're like, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, a Disney movie for, <laughs> for, for crying out loud, you know? I said, well, the coach started playing with these kids and then uh, they, they actually got better because the coach was, was like playing with them. And they're like, they experienced something totally different. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, uh, um, but I joke with them and be like, you know, I'm an old man and, uh, you know, uh, like I might break a hip and some (laughs) things like that, you know, obviously I'm not. And that's just a big joke, but, um, really it always just comes down to, uh, your mindset, right? If, if I'm actually going to go after it and do it and just to, to me, I think, uh, you guys, you guys know David Goggins, right? Mm -hmm. Right. One thing he's like, he's just like, you're either getting better or you're getting worse, yep. if that makes sense. Yep. He's like, some people are like, well, well, I'm in pretty good physical condition, and then they say, the physical condition, and then they're like, I'm just going to sit on the couch, though, yeah. for like weeks on end. <laughs> um, even for myself, I, I can see a big dip when I
0: just do that it's case. amazing how quickly yeah. you can lose it Like it takes so oh, yeah. much effort to get into shape and it, it's so easy to just fall out of shape and now what's interesting is uh, I always say that the, the reason why I'm so good at getting back into shape is because I have been out of shape a lot and yep. most people don't believe me when I tell them but I'm serious like it does like it, everyone experiences this like you're really good about it you're really good about it and then work gets in the way life gets in the yep. way and all of a sudden you miss a couple of days at the gym. And then all of a sudden you've missed a couple of weeks and a couple of months. And by that time, like the next time you get into the gym, like the next day you're sore, it hurts, you can't breathe, your mile time is like insane. It's so easy to fall out of shape. And then at, from that point, it's it's very, very tempting to say, okay, now that I'm out of shape, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it. Like, I'm just not gonna go back to the gym for a while.
1: Yo, yeah. I, I think the best thing in those situations is to have someone that that holds you accountable in those situations you know um i think one of the the biggest trends probably since we've been out of uh high school or college is crossfit blew up on the scene and and I, i mean i incorporate some crossfit moves like into my everyday lifting but the one thing they really did well was just bring that whole together aspect, like where they're holding each other accountable. Yeah, the camaraderie. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that's really important <laughs> when you're trying to get back into shape.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, the team mentality where you're not only keeping each other accountable, you know, but you're like joining into it as a team, like, and you're seeing goals like start breaking. It helps. I. It really does help for your own mentality when you see somebody else break through it. Right. I watched a video about these old people. They they took like there's like a thing in in, in England, and they took these bunch of old people out to the beach, right? And they and they made and like the people that took them there had a bunch of little kids, right? And the little kids were playing on the beach, and they told the little kids to go ask the the old ki- uh, the old guys. They're like, you know, hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And uh, uh, so they grabbed one old dude, and it and they were like, no, I'm not. I'm you know, I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm too old. And it didn't it didn't not until the first old person went to the beach, and then it spiked it's like it spiked a movement across all the old people that all of a sudden that everybody was like, no, no, I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm not going to do it. As soon as one person went. They all went. Yeah. And, and and it's crazy how when you see somebody, one person step out of their comfort zone and do something ridiculous, that they're like, oh, hey, I can do that. Right, well, yeah. right.
0: It, it it resets that boundary of what's possible. Yeah. And then you say, oh, well, I look just like that guy. I'm as old as that guy. He can do it. Why well, can't I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it really does help with, with what CrossFit does. Yep. All of a sudden, you've seen people
2: like do... I'm, I'm an anti-trendy person, like anti-trendy to, to like the (laughs) nth degree, but, um, people are like, well, look at my PR and I hate that word PR. (laughs) I don't care about your PR, but at the same time, it really does happen. All of a sudden people are setting new PRs and people are like, well, I want to set a new PR. Yeah. (laughs) And so they do it. And it's just like, it's one of those things where it just comes right back down to your mental, your mental deal. Um, where are you at confidently and mm-hmm. where are you at personally i remember we talk about like the i, I think i've talked about it before is like the first time i went and attacked mount Sneffels, and i i you you see some of these things and, and travis will post a picture on the video but um If you drive up to the road that we went on, like it's enough to turn a a majority of people around. People are like Just the Road to get there. Just the road. Just the road. I mean, there's overhanging, like ice crystals. I mean, it looks like flipping uh like the Yeti's cave from uh, you know, uh what was that movie? Um like Rudolph, you know, Rudolph the red nose to this big open cave and there's big just ice crystals and it looks like an open mouth you know it's enough to frighten a lot of people and especially during the winter and then you walk through an avalanche field and there's you know 40 foot tall walls of snow it you you like all of a sudden you're like oh man i'm in the real deal this is Mm -hmm. real and it and as a first timer where i was at i was like man i shouldn't there was there was definitely thoughts in my mind where i was like man you shouldn't be here you should not do this uh but it, it could be the the fact that I'm about you know half a cup crazy, but <laughs> which obviously helps. But I just like I want it. I just want it. I just want to do this. I want to conquer something like this. I've never done it before. I want it. And it was that mindset that got me to the top of the peak, and, and made me go back six times. <laughs> <You> know, so. <laughs> so it's just it really comes down to that mental battle where you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it.
0: So then that that kind of naturally segues into if you're listening to this and you're wondering how you can start being able to get yourself back into shape in order to do the start your journey towards doing cooler and cooler things. I always tell people that uh, nothing cool ever happens in your comfort zone. Like there's if you had a Venn diagram, your comfort (laughs) zone is here and uh cool things that happen is like out here yep. it doesn't even it doesn't even then it, it's just <laughs> a, it's two circles <laughs> yeah, There we go. so you have to be you have to be outside of your comfort zone able to do it and i think that that's that's kind of where your training comes into play so let's uh let's start off the circle with um with the different training methods that you guys can use in order to get back into shape if you uh if you were an athlete that kind of slipped out of it or even just to to get started so um so i'll start on my end i think that's uh when people ask this to me that usually my priority is getting them back into cardiovascular shape because when people are getting back in shape, there's usually two mentalities. You have the people who are like, Oh, I want to do cardio and the people are like, I want to lift weights and I want to be jacked. Yeah. And the reality is, is that you have to define what it is that you're trying to accomplish. You know, if it's uh, if you've got kids now and you want to be able to play around with them, if you just want to be able to go out and ride a bike or get out into the badlands or kayak and you just want to expand the, uh, expand the amount of things that are within your grasp for you to do, you have to figure out what that is. I mean, if you just want to go to the gym to lift weights, to look a little bit better, that's a completely different strategy. Um, But if you were to just go straight line, I want to be in better shape just so that my life has, uh, has more options and opportunities for me. I would say that typically what I would tell people to do is focus on their cardiovascular first in order to build into other areas of, of their fitness, just because it's going to make everything else a lot easier. I mean, when you're going into any kind of training session, you want to have that baseline physical cardiovascular fitness to be able to push you through. So what that would look like is, uh, usually what I would tell people to do is, uh, the first day go out and run a mile. Like if you got to run it and walk it and run it and walk it, whatever it might be, Um, The purpose for it is to kind of set a gauge, to set a baseline, to say this is exactly where I'm at. I know how my body feels. Are my legs weak? Is my lungs strong? Or is my lungs strong and my legs weak? Same thing. Yeah, (laughs) Um, You get my point. But uh, you figure out where you're at and then you you wait a day. And the next day you wake up and you say, okay, how sore am I? Like Where where does it hurt? Uh, What problems am I going to have? So you can address that. Um, if you're good, if you're ready to go, then, uh, the the first thing that I would, I would start throwing you into is VO two max training. So what that would look like is, um, is four hundreds by four hundreds is what I call them or two hundreds by two hundreds. If you're easing into it, what you do is you head yourself out to a track and you sprint for 400 meters and then you run for 400 meters. And as soon as you get past to that start line, again, like that jog is your active recovery. You sprint again for 400 meters. And you just do that as many times as you can. Like as many times as you can. Try to shoot for a mile. Try to max out at like a 5K. Just do that as over and over and over again. The 400s is a little bit too much. Um, go down to a 200. So you'd be sprinting 200 meters and then running for 200 meters on your recovery. And what that does is it trains your body to utilize oxygen more efficiently. And it's one of the fastest ways to increase your VO2 max and your lactate threshold. And what that does for you as an athlete is... It makes your body more effective at utilizing oxygen so that's going to set your body on a curve to say okay if i'm getting in shape i'm doing this um now that my body can utilize oxygen more effectively i'm going to get faster as a result of that and what's interesting is even in the uh long distance endurance world like if you want to increase your 5k time that's an effective way to do that if you want to increase your like marathon or Ironman time that's the most effective way to do that because it's, it's cool because if you can get um, your VO2 max readings, you can actually use that as a fairly accurate predictor of race times. Like, if you were to go in and say, okay, this is my VO2 max, you could calculate out, okay, this is going to be, you're within a, a reasonable range, 5K time, 10K time, whatever it might be, which is pretty cool. Yeah, That's going to get you in shape the quickest cardiovascularly and then you start introducing more high intensity uh training that that involves your strength training as well so it's like starting off with a lot of body weight stuff so you're incorporating high intensity efforts of things like body weight squats push-ups burpees pull-ups just the the core the core movements that is going to make your body stronger as a whole and then as it starts to get easier and easier, then you start in- introducing progressive overload, which is where the gym and weights and resistance comes in. You say, okay, now we're going to start doing weighted squats. We're going to start doing lat pulldowns. We're going to uh, start doing weighted uh, bench press, things like that. And then as a result of that, using that mentality, you go from being in better physical condition cardiovascularly. And then when you start getting into the gym and start adding any kind of resistance and resistance can also be hills if you're trying to be a better runner versus getting into the gym and just throwing some heavy weights around then you're when you get to that point you have that baseline and your body knows how to move through time and space effectively using itself that's kind of my philosophy of how to get back into shape quickly like but it's like that's a painful way to do it like if you do 400s by 400s it hurts i mean i've had our i know that it works though because we've tested it on like you know 600 kids Six hundred sixty kids, yeah, yeah but most of the time, like we like, we didn't even do the four hundred by four hundred. I'm making them do two hundreds by two hundreds, yeah. just because it's like time. Time has been the biggest thing. We only have so much time in a practice. Yeah,
1: I feel you on that one. um The four hundreds by four hundreds, we definitely incorporate with our cross country. Yeah, especially early season, getting them back into shape and everything. It works. And like it's yeah, just something oh, yeah. about it. It just works. Yeah, and the, the kids like if you're a runner, like in our cross country program, we have mainly people who like to run some that just want to stay in shape it. They like that because it gets them in shape the fastest and, and they can feel yeah. it and see results. And yet, I mean, it's tough, but it's not to the point of like utter death where you just like wanting someone to like snap your ankles <laughs> so <laughs> that you don't have to do it yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like f- for me, um, I'll take it a step even like backwards um, when I'm starting out, like with, uh, athletes or just people, like just the general public is I like movement training and like, uh, what I mean by that, like, first of all, I like body weight movements, um, early on just cause they're yeah, easy to yeah. teach. Um, low risk it, too. It, oh yeah. It's, it's easy on the joints, everything. And then, uh, but I also really like to, um, incorporate stretching and things that like, uh, I believe in in a really good dynamic warm-up just in general yeah Um, but if you don't have time just stretching whenever you have time is a is a really good thing to do like if you're at home watching tv or anything just that's a great time to just sit on the floor and stretch right because when you get older i'm sure you guys like are experiencing this like it we get tight really really Mm -hmm. easily and and especially when you're training
0: it causes problems
1: yeah oh it causes so many different problems and I've been one who, who hated stretching for, for most of my life. And, uh, I just recently started realizing like that if I want to be like healthy and like feeling good when I'm 40 or beyond, I should probably be taking care of myself in the recovery side of things, the warm up side of things, things like that. So that's, that's one of my big things is movement training. And then I, I also really enjoy like body weight type lifts. And incorporating, like, med ball tosses, like, yeah. up and down a football field and stuff. I like that kind of stuff, just where you're getting a, kind of a strength component, um, power, and then you're also working on your and it, like, cardio.
0: It solidifies technique, too. Yeah. It's it's absolutely amazing when you walk into a gym. Like, you see guys who have been doing a, a movement with the wrong form, and you know what they've been doing with the wrong form for the past probably 15 years. Yeah. And you're like, okay, If you can't do the exercise properly with the proper form and you never take that step back and and deload the bar and get yourself to a point where you can do the proper form. And a lot of times it comes down to pride, too. It's just like, well, if I wanted to do that, I'd have to fix these flexibility issues and I'd have to drop my weight by 50 percent. And then I'm not going to get stronger. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You're not going to be stronger for a small period of time. And your bar was set here. Once you overcome that, you're going to be able to break through that. Like there's a reason why you break into those plateaus, like bodyweight squats. Oh my goodness. I love bodyweight squats. And with just the, I mean, we have this like Petri dish of different types of athletes that we train with. So you get to see uh, where people are different athletically. Something as simple as bodyweight squats, like this out of 60 kids, there's probably five that can do it right. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, my goodness. And usually what it comes down to is tight hip flexors. Yeah. We sit For eight hours a day, whether from childhood to being an adult, like most children, they sit in school, and then you know half of the population sits at a desk for work every single day, and then when they get home, they sit on the couch. Like we're not built for that, and your hip flexors get tight, and it ruins almost every other movement that you do um, using your legs.
1: Yeah, it it ruins pretty much everything. And like um, I'm certified right now as like a strength and conditioning coach um, slash personal trainer, and I get some kids like just in our local community new england their parents will just have me come watch them run like in a football game or something just just somewhere where they're moving and they'll be like this doesn't look right i'm i'll look at them i'll be like it's the hip flexor right like, right almost 100 percent of the time like that's causing their issues because you, you can just tell and so i'll get them in the gym and i'll i'll do like um uh, called like bird dogs or things that you can like loosen up your hips a little bit and stuff like yeah. that but I mean, that's, that's a tricky one. Like there's a, a, not a lot of great stretches that I know of. My favorite one. And
0: I've been, I've been telling all of our athletes to do this and like the, the results have been pretty awesome. Yeah. But what you do is you get into a doorway and you get into your natural squat position, put all of your weight on your heels, wiggle your toes. So, you know, your weights on your heels. And then squat down. What's interesting is if you do a body weight squat and you do it right, where your weights on your heels and your back straight, once you get back down to about parallel and below, you'll start to lean back. Like you're cause oh, you yeah. start to fall. That's because of that tightness. Um, so if you stand in a doorway or um, just grab something stable and you use that to lower yourself down into that proper squat position, you'll feel it stretch and you can just stand in that proper position at the lower end of the movement for five minutes at a time and it'll okay. stretch it. And you'll get to a point where you use the the doorway less and less and less and less and then at one point you'll be able to just sit in the middle of the room and squat down and like a toddler like toddlers yeah. do it naturally like they're they're like in a perfect squat position and they just like sit there for yeah. like 20 minutes at a time it it's forever. like my goodness yeah take the poop yeah right it's like it's the it's the poop the backcountry poop position yeah but it's it's um. unreal because it's like that's And the Todd, there's a perfect example of that because that is how your body was designed to function Yeah. because they, I mean, they're, they're the new model. You just got it. Like their body's working the way it's supposed to. They don't have those tightnesses. So they're just like, that's the squat position you're supposed to be in. And that's the best, uh, the best movement for, for your joints and your lower body chain. So once you can, I'll I'll say unlock that, um, that, that tightness and you're able to put your body into that because it's, it's the basis for an athletic position in whatever sport you're in. It's gonna change the game as an athlete. I know I had a, I had one athlete who he's like, "Coach, I've been having hip flexor problems," and I told him about that, and it was only three days later, and he's like, "He's like, Coach, I've been doing those stretches," and he's like, "It's insane! Like yes. I feel like a different athlete." And I'm like, he couldn't realize why I was so stoked. I'm like, "Yeah!" yeah. Like a fist bump. Like that's what I like to hear. And he's just kind of yeah. like, "I didn't wasn't expecting that reaction," but it's like, yeah. I, I really am passionate about the whole hip flexor thing because it changed the game for me as an athlete. Like Jeremy, you know, like when I was in high school. I was a decent athlete. I was not a good athlete. And then I, I 100% am a way better athlete now than I was then. And I think that you can attest to that. Like oh, it's, yeah, <laughs> <I'll be honest. laughs> like it was, yeah. it was ridiculous. And a big yeah. part of that was just lower body chain, like getting your, getting those muscle, uh, imbalances fixed, getting the, the, the stretching, the tightness fixed, and it just changes the game.
2: Yeah, it does. You know, Personally, now that you guys both did your little deal. Yeah, it's your turn. My, my personal thing <laughs> is obviously I know we joke about it a lot and I'm like, well, I, I'll just stop drinking Coca-Cola for a week and then I'll be good to go. <laughs> right? Because adding sugar and adding carbonation, and, and I'm saying like a lot of carbonation and, and adding a lot of hamburgers and fast food, doesn't help you and it, <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds, right? <laughs> you know, and it's not that crazy because everybody's like, just stop eating fast food. It really does help you. Um, a majority of people that will eat out at fast food, even if you're going to like Qdoba or, you know, someplace that people think, right? Oh, this is healthy for me. No, where yeah. no, we help reliable. You, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you do know that you're, you're consuming over a thousand calories. The majority right. of people will consume over a thousand calories and then will um, like Travis said earlier, they'll, they will get up in the morning, they'll do their makeup or, you know, get out, get their clothes on and then they'll hop I do my makeup every morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, women Money as well goes. with this, right? So then they go to work, they sit down, uh, they go to lunch, they get, they, they walk out to their car, maybe 50, 60 steps, get in their car, go to eat. Another 50 60 steps to get back in the car then they'll go home they might mow the lawn and then they'll sit on the couch so mm-hmm. in the process of that day you probably consumed over a thousand calories
0: on one meal for one meal so <laughs> yeah. you're probably going about 3000 which is then, like above maintenance like most people's yeah. maintenance for a male is like 200 or 2500 calories for yeah. someone that's like my size yeah
2: yeah and then and then um they go to bed you know, and they might have actively um, burned six, seven hundred calories. Just living. Like yeah, that's just, just to exist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's as many calories as as you burned, but you yet probably took in 3,000 calories. Right. Ugh. To me, that's always like where people are like, well, what am I doing wrong? I was like, well, did you burn off all of the stuff you
0: ate today? Right. No. Well, there's your reason. And it's you know, as simple as that. Thing. And like, I I, I take nutrition very, very seriously, like when it comes to the macronutrient and micronutrient aspect of it. But the reality of it is that the core basis of it is exactly what you said. It's inputs and outputs. Like if you were to eat two Twinkies every day and that's it, you would lose weight. (laughs) Like that's like, it's a, it's a basic input and output. Once you can get that figured out and you know what your maintenance is and where you need to be, then you start focusing on the more important things like, okay, now I need to make sure I get the right foods. And it's, it's, diet is such a personal thing because we all have different ancestry. We all have different genetics. That's true. So that's when people say like, well, you need to be vegetarian or you need to be keto or you need to be high carb, low fat. And it's like, pick something, yeah. stick to it, see how it works. And then if it's not working, switch, but yeah. stick to it for like four weeks. And then you'll get this gauge where your body will be like, Hey, you know what? Like when I eat uh refined products with refined sugar in it, I feel like I feel terrible. Um, I'm going to stop doing that. And then he stopped doing it. Okay, that's good. That's good. And it's like, okay, uh, if I eat a lot of plants and not enough meat, like my body composition goes down and my muscle tissue is up. It's like, okay, now you know that balance. Like yep. you understand that. Like nutrition is very, very individualistic. But yeah. if you can get that basic component down of input versus output, you're going to be on the right track. Yeah. yeah. And like what I tell the kids, like, coach, what do I eat? And I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, something I'm passionate about. It's very individual. I don't have time to do this for 60 people. So my rule was eat plants and animals. Like that's yeah. it. Nothing else. Just yeah. plants and animals. Keep yeah. it simple.
2: We went to Culver's after one game, right? So obviously not the best choice, but yeah. it coaches eat free. So obviously that's, <laughs> that's, that's why going. you got to go there. Yeah. So, but you should have seen all the souls that like were screaming <laughs> and like felt just crushed. And I said, uh, no milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> it was the whole room erupted. Like
1: no, <laughs> I can, I can see that.
2: It was so funny, but it's, it's, it really comes down to, for me, number one, I, I got to cut out all the junk. I got to start eating, making better choices for my food. And I need to make sure that I burned off enough calories for what I just consumed that day. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, by, by, if at the end of a week, if I'm over a thousand calories and I only burned off 600 calories every day like I know something's going on I put more food into me than I that was being used and I don't know you know necessarily the science behind that but to me I'm like if I put in 4,000 and I only took out a thousand I'm like
0: ooh man
2: maybe I didn't hit my goal for that
0: week right uh, and when you're not doing something physical every single day, like yeah. your your hormones and your metabolic rate is so out of whack and it's so disproportionately low mm-hmm. that when you eat in a caloric surplus, you actually feel worse. Yeah. And even guys, yeah, if, if, if you it. talk to body, one of my coaches was a, was a uh, MPC bodybuilder. And even when you're in a bulking session, people are like, oh yeah, you get to eat whatever you want and all the time. Like, no, it's pretty miserable. Yeah. Actually, it's like you feel bloated and tired and sluggish all the time. Like those guys, they have a terrible life. It's like when they're bulking, they feel bloated, sluggish, and terrible all the time. <laughs> and then when they're cutting, they uh, feel uh, hungry, sluggish, and lethargic all the time. Yeah. It's just like, man, what do you live like, man? I, can, I cannot. <laughs> that's do why that. I never, I never got into that. I, I, I tried for a while. And I'm like, I can't do this.
2: Yeah, can't do that
0: either. But to Jeremy, like Jeremy's it. point, like that's an excellent starting point, and. Because it starts moving you in the right direction to first off having a better body composition, and that makes fitness so much easier. So Mm. when I say like trying to like I'll keep people like out of the weight room first if they're trying to get back into shape, there is one caveat to that, and that's like if you're out there and you're you're significantly overweight, and you're like I don't want to run because like that's going to put a lot of like running is actually very high impact sport. Oh, for sure. If if you're not ready for it, like it can it can do a lot of damage to your body. So in those scenarios, it's like, yeah, get into the weight room and do complex movements like your, your squats, your pull-ups, your push ups, like just these, these basic, um, these basic complex movements that burn a lot of calories, focus on your diet, start like getting those junk calories out and getting yourself into a slight deficit. So you can shed some of that weight off. So when you get there, so when you get to the point where you're going to run, it's going to be a lot easier, going to be a lot easier. And
2: it doesn't have to be fancy. Uh, some people are like, well, now, now I need to go join CrossFit. Yeah, or, I need a I program.
0: Need to, i got to plan all these things. It's like, yeah, okay,
2: no, no, it's, it's membership. like, Literally, start simple. For our soccer guys, we've got, um, like, 12 tires. Yeah, <laughs> You know, uh, start flipping tires. some tires. Uh, start dragging them around, pushing them, and just, like, small things like that. As long as you're being active, even walking around the block, uh, doing some small, like, things where you – where, where in your mind you're like I'm going to just start movement mm-hmm. moving yeah that little bit of thing and it doesn't matter what it is can help you uh, like leaps and bounds Right. What's, what's the key thing? you're doing something. yeah you
0: stepped into the arena yeah, yeah. and that's the, that's the critical point because with any exercise program what's going to it, with anything in life, progressive overload is what's going to make you stronger. That's progressively making yeah. something more difficult in some way so you go out and you walk around the block one day now there's uh there's two different ways that you can scale that you can scale it vertically or horizontally if you want to scale it horizontally it's like okay just increase the distance Like let's go instead of going one block let's go two blocks and then you can also scale it horizontally you can say well instead of uh walking one block i'm going to jog one block and then running and then it's like hey i'm gonna you know i'm gonna carry a bucket full of dirt for four miles yeah. like that's where you graduate to <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: yeah i remember the first time that travis uh tried to show me how to um jump with my snowboard right yeah because uh, obviously um like the brain damage stuff i totally forgot how to snowboard so travis oh, wow. had to reteach
0: me how to snowboard right
2: and um we were actually in snowmass and
0: uh, he's like, well, which is, we'll, we'll have to talk someday thing. about that because like the basic muscle memory was still there, even though you thought you had never wow. snowboarded before. It's that's crazy, super fascinating. But we'll talk about that on a different okay. podcast. Like it's so cool. But yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So we started off these like little like little mogul things, and he's like, just load up on your front end, uh, go off your back, and then just land. It doesn't have to be huge, and then progressively, like we started making it better. But it wouldn't have gotten better if I didn't just try those tiny little mogul yeah, things right right you know? for all of a sudden you start getting confidence and you're just doing it and then progressively it gets better and better and better and better um, that's just that's
0: just it it's the know, simple yeah. yeah and it's just like like that's the thing is it's like it might be simple it might not be fancy and i know i fall victim to this a lot because i overthink absolutely everything in my head i'm like I'm not going to do this until like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have a plan, a strategy. I've got like this 16 point PowerPoint presentation that (laughs) I can go through. I'm going to be an expert in this. And then it's like four months have gone by and it's like, oh, well, you know, you could have just gone out and like stumbled your way through this and made it. (laughs) And if you start simple, you're going to be safe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big lesson. Like what I'm getting out of today is just start somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter how small you start. Just start somewhere. If it's running up and down a football field, just, do something, move. I guess mm-hmm. is, is, is the yeah. biggest thing, and then um, you can implement all the other things we've talked about at, as we gradually go. But just move, get your get yourself outdoors. That's that's go. a big one. Just get outside. You know? sounds like
0: that's a good challenge for anyone today. Because here's the thing: is it's like it don't don't you can get a workout in in 15 minutes. For sure. I mean, you can ask any of our soccer kids, I can make them very sad in three minutes. Like, (laughs) it only takes three minutes I can make them feel very sad. That's all, it it doesn't take a huge time investment, even if you're just doing air squats or burpees in your office. Like, that's, it's simple. So, I think that's a, a good challenge to everybody today is today, at any point, at any time, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, or an hour, just go outside and do something. You'll feel happy about it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think so. I, I'm happy whenever I'm outside. Like I, I, humans were made to be outside, you know. Like right. we weren't made to be indoors all the time. If you like, look at like the general, just like animals and everything. Like they're happier outdoors. Humans are happier outdoors too, and right. especially when the sun is shining. Those are the best days. Well,
0: we need it. I mean, that's why we yeah. have so many vitamin D deficiencies yeah, in people. That's, oh, that's a big thing. It man. is. Yeah, yeah. Vitamin D and vitamin B are the, the the two biggest deficiencies in in humans right now, and it's it's partially, it, mostly because of our artificially created environments. I mean, yeah. we have climate controlled, we have artificial light. It's like there really isn't any natural cycles, and it just messes up your body's natural circadian rhythms. Probably a huge reason why I have insomnia. <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> probably why. Yeah. Keeping it basic, like, I know that that one thing for our soccer team is is people are like, um, you know that, um, to be 100% honest, half of our kids can't kick a soccer ball very well. Mm-hmm. And um, people are like, well, you guys are still finding success. And and biggest the key thing is, is we taught them the basics. And we told them that if you can do these basic little things all the time, you can be successful. And it comes right down to your personal health. Um, if you keep doing these basic small little things, like all of a sudden your health is going to get better. And then once you've got those basics down, you know, uh, a good running cycle, a a good, you know, small lifting cycle and a good, you know, um, healthy eating cycle, right? Where you're eating three meals a day and and filling it in with healthy choices in between. um, All of a sudden you're going to be like, Oh man, I feel 10 times better. Mm -hmm. It really just gets down to, just doing these small basic things. We've got some movement. We've got a little bit of weight weight action going on, and I've got a basic, healthy eating schedule down. And bam, yeah, it creates you the success.
0: it creates the foundation for those habits. You know, it's the the eighty twenty rule. It's like most of the things in your life that give you eighty percent of the results are a result of twenty percent of the work. Because if you can focus on the big, we'll just you can almost always identify it and narrow it down to the big three. If you can identify three things that are going to give you the most results. That's going to be 20% of the work that's going to give you 80% of the results. There it is. There it is, which is awesome because we are right over the hour mark. So we're perfect for this podcast. Um, We still don't have a name. So once again, I'm calling you out, people of the internet, to drop a name, whatever it is, I'm going to challenge you. Just uh, Even if you have to open a dictionary, pick a word, and then toss that word followed by the word podcast. I don't care. I just want to have ten name suggestions before we name the podcast, and we'll pick one of your guys's. Until then, guys, we'll be back here next week. We are the the Wildcat Podcast today. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week.